0: Welcome to Weekdays with Jesus. Today, Ben Johnson explains to us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and many times he had to boldly shine his light to reveal the darkness of others. Martha was diligent and focused in her service, but in her focus, she tried to take away from Mary the only thing that was necessary for Mary at that time. Jesus boldly had to step in and speak the truth in love to Martha. As Christians, we have been called to live a life of love that is bold as we live not just for what feels right, but we live for what is right. Our song at the end of today's podcast is a live version of a new song called Kingdom of Peace, written and sung by Nathan Turnier. But first, our message from Pastor Ben.
1: All right, great. to I'm so glad you're here, and I really hope that this series and, and diving in also through the book has been encouraging to you. I really do hope all of you have gotten the book or reading through it. Again, it's a very easy read, and it's literally entitled Love Like That. If you haven't already, it's never, uh, today's a good day. Order it, right? Um, wait till after the sermon to get on your phone, but, uh, but go ahead and go do that. So, um, but through this book, we have been looking at the two sides of discipleship. On the one hand, that we are people, even the word disciple means a lifelong learner. That we are those who want to learn. We want to study. That, that being a Christian is all about humility and saying, I don't have it all figured out. I don't, I don't know everything, and I want to discover, and I want to see, and I want to learn about myself. I want to learn about other people. I want to learn more about Jesus Christ in his word, and I want to grow. I want to be like him, and there's a sense of I, I, I'm in pursuit. I'm stirred up. I'm, I'm moving in a direction. I'm not complacent. Like lot learning and not reading and just being like eh whatever I mean is I mean is Jesus on Netflix like I don't know it, it's just kind of a chosen complacency of life that I I've I, I've peaked I've peaked there's nothing more this is it and uh, and that's not true it's not true you know I always joke because uh, piano is my favorite instrument favorite instrument someone asked me they're like oh well, do you play I'm like no. No. And like, you know how much work that is? You know, and I'm like, no, I don't play. Like I quit piano. I literally quit piano in like third grade. I wish I had, and so that and 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 all it was was I just didn't like that teacher. And so I just quit. My parents let me. And I was like, why'd you do that? Right? But and they're like, well you could learn. And I'm like, probably not. Well you could. I'm like, was this Groundhog's Day? Like you know, if I had unlimited days, maybe, you know. And, and, I, and I go there in my mind, and I'm like, well, I could. I could. Why don't I? Well, it's a lot of work. I don't even know how to read music. Like, do you know how much I would have to do to get to the point of playing piano? And somebody's like, you should do it, you should do it. And it's like, hmm, I don't know. Now, it's piano. This isn't Jesus. Right? But I'm telling you this because I know that feeling. I know the feeling of busy. lot going on. There's a lot that needs our attention and just kind of like, sometimes it's enough energy just to get through day to day. Now here's the worry though. It's because if we carry that same attitude that I have towards piano, that I love it, it's my favorite, I'm not going to learn it. And if we take that same attitude towards Jesus Christ, that I do love him and I do appreciate him. And and I'm I'm thankful, and we get to church when we can, and I'm I'm trying, but, you know, but sort of this, I don't, you know. The problem is, is that we'll be spiritually complacent. You're being fed by something. Something is influencing you. And if it's not Jesus and it's from the world, you'll know it by the byproduct of our life. The byproduct of a life that has a steady dose of world coming into us is going to be greater amounts of fear and anxiety and worry and bewilderment and confusion and all these things. Or it's going to go the opposite way and be all about Pride and power and, and and individuality and self and it's all going to be about me. But it's going to go one of two directions. When the diet is of the world, but when we are led by Christ and we are in His Word and we're being fed by the truth, the byproduct is a life of love and generosity, selflessness and joy. And peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control and all these wonderful fruits, byproducts of a life centered in the truth. So what I'm saying is is this has real life, real world implications of how you're going to parent, how you're going to be an employee, how you're going to be a husband or a wife, how you're going to be in your family, how you're going to be, like all of these things are affected by the initial decision of, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to be a learner of you. Okay? Now, we're talking on the topic of bold love. So I'm going to ask you to do something. This is going to be bold, okay? If you're not sitting with someone, you have the luxury of thinking about it. But if you're sitting next to somebody, I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to lean over to somebody and share it with them. Here we go. Ready? When I say bold love... What does that mean? What's an example? How do you process on what is bold love? Okay, share with somebody. And at home, it could be a kid. If you want to move, you can. Oh, some of you. <laughs> All right, okay, good. All right, did that on purpose. One for you that participated; it might be the only part you remember of the whole sermon. Because some, but the second thing is this: boldness will break rules. There's so many social rules we, we, exist, we, we live by. Social rules, rules for how we engage in here. I broke a rule. The rule is when you come to church, sit there, be quiet, listen to the pastor. And some of you are so entrenched in that rule, you sat there with your arms crossed staring at me even though I wasn't saying anything. Not doing it. Not doing it. mm mm. My wife said, if I sit here for an hour, then when I get home, I get lunch and get to watch the NFL. I'm not doing it. I did not sign that contract where I have to participate. See, some of you don't even like I'm talking about it because you know that was you. Listen, I'm not Jesus. You don't have to do what I say, all right? I'm not that pastor. I'm not going not gonna to break my heart. I'll sleep well. but But the same way, and when, when I brought up the silly example of the piano, think of it this way: What if Jesus asked you to break the rules? You're going to sit there with your arms crossed, staring at the Son of God, going, "No, I'm good." Jesus has to crack us out of our chosen comfort zones in order to lead us in a bold love that will actually do things in this world. Jesus always stands two to three steps outside our comfort zone saying, follow me, follow me, follow me. And and, and so often we're just like, no. It's just, that's a lot of work. I'm uncomfortable with that. You're going to make me do things that I don't naturally want to do. And it's just, you know, it's easier if I just, can I just work from home today? Can I just go home? I don't want to talk to people I don't want to work on myself I don't want to think about my feelings I don't want to bring up my trauma I don't want to forgive people I don't know no, no. Can, how about this can I just go home eat something get something to drink and just mind numb myself in some cheap entertainment please and I'll just do that till I die and then we'll talk about it in heaven <laughs> and Jesus goes no no I love you way too much No, I got stuff for you to do, man. I put myself inside of you for a reason. I love you. Now let's get over you and get going. Discipleship. All right, it's a full contact sport. No one gets to ride the bench on this one. So today we're talking about being bold. All right, we'll come back to you a little bit on this one about how much Jesus cares about it. But first, let's just... Let's just hit a story of bold love, okay? This is John 2, 13 to 22, and it's the story of Jesus cleansing the temple, all right? Now, you wouldn't initially look at this story and be like, oh, yeah, that's a story of love, but it is. It is real love, and, and the reason this story is so powerful is it says a lot about a person about what they get fired up about, like what gets them going. Like, have you ever had a conversation with someone And they get really fired up about a particular topic. And you find yourself looking at them, not in a sense of judgment or or that I'm wanting to argue, but more of like, it's astounding to me you care so much. It happens in church all the time. People go get like really agitated about things and you're like, it's okay. 90% of the time it's a massive first world issue. (laughs) right? Where if we just bring this into context, I think we'll be all right. But sometimes it's like things that are just very much of the world, and sometimes it's just what we've been feeding on. Because the more people that tell you, this is a big deal, you should care about it, you're probably going to find out, oh, it's a big deal, I should care about it. But what people get fired up about says a lot about them. Good, bad. This is a story of Jesus getting fired up. Fired up. So let's just jump in. Now, there's a little bit of context, all right? And context is important, especially in the Gospel of John. So let me just bring you into the story a little bit, okay? John, disciple of Jesus, wrote the Gospel of John around 70 AD, the last gospel to be written, okay? So, we know that he was working off of the other gospels. This is why 90% of the gospel is unique to the gospel of John alone. So, he's filling in gaps. He might be taking things, moving things. Like, he doesn't have any parables in the gospel of John. Jesus is the parable. And so, he does a lot of cool, creative things. And the Holy Spirit did a wonder in this gospel through John. By far, my favorite. All right. Sorry, Matthew, Mark. All right. I'm just saying. Luke. Luke's good too. They're all great. I'm just kidding. But, but it's interesting because John brings up the cleansing of the temple in the first year of Jesus' ministry. The other Gospels bring it up in the third year of his ministry. So we know that Jesus cleansed the temple twice, probably a third time in the second year of ministry just to stay consistent. right? But this one's brought up. Now, in the other Gospels, what was Jesus doing at this time? They're accounting of him going into the wilderness and praying and being tempted by Satan, okay? Then later, when the other gospels bring up the cleansing of the temple, what's John talking about? The first Gentiles, the Greeks, who are coming to faith. That's going to be important. There were three primary festivals in the Jewish year the feast of tabernacles the feast of pentecost and the feast of passover and the pharisees had made an oral law meaning they made this up it's not in the mosaic law that you know but that anyone within a certain vicinity of jerusalem was mandated to travel to jerusalem for the festivals the population would swell from about 250,000 to well over a million people During the festivals, it's a divided time. It's a powder keg. The Romans would come, keep the peace. This is a crazy time happening right now in Jerusalem. Jesus travels to Jerusalem with his disciples. And he notices something. Usually, the marketplace or the bazaar where you would buy the things for sacrifice in the temple was located on the Mount of Olives outside of the city. You would go there, you'd buy the things and then you'd come in to the city and sacrifice. The Pharisees decided to take it from outside of the city to right into the temple grounds. And not just anywhere in the temple, they brought it to the court of the Gentiles. Basically, a massive move of saying, we don't care about you anyway. (laughs) So we're just going to let all the sheep and oxen do their stuff in the court of the Gentiles. The place dedicated for prayer and sacrifice and the love of God is just being defecated all over by a bunch of animals. And the Pharisees are like, this works. More convenient. Jesus... Walks into this scene. Verse 13, he says, The Passover of the Jews was at hand. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in the temple, he found, meaning he came upon, he discovered that they were selling oxen and sheep and doves. And the money changers were sitting there. These money changers are an interesting people too because they offered a service, which was they would take all the other currency and exchange it at a rate for the shekel that would be used in the temple. So think of it like going to Disney and you got to buy Disney bucks. Or Chuck E. Cheese and you got to get a card. And it's like $30 for this many things. That's kind of what's going on here. And Jesus is not going to have it. So it says that Jesus came in, he saw the scene, and he calmly went as he was looking. And he bent down and he got a cord and he started making it into a whip. How many of you, right now, this is not the Jesus that you grew up with? Any of you grow up with that slightly Norwegian Jesus? Carrying sheep and patting children on the head? Docile. You grow up with a whip wielding Jesus? He calmly, passionately goes, this is not going to fly. And he gets up with this whip. And it says, in the word of God, he drove them out of the temple. He drove the sheep and the oxen. He poured out the coins of the money changers, overturning their tables. And he went right up to those selling the doves and says, get these out of here. You will not make my temple, my father's house, into a place of trade. And he drove them out boldly, passionately. I asked our team last week how they define bold love. I really like, um, I'm going to give Levi the credit here. He said, love that is surprising or you wouldn't expect it. And I think that's a really solid definition of bold. Surprising. I didn't see that coming. No one saw this coming. Why? Why? Because the temple was God's dwelling place with his people and it was meant to be a place of love, of sacrifice, of prayer for the poor, for those who were far away, for all people to come and receive grace and mercy for their time of need. That was the function the Pharisees are the shepherds, the lead foot washers, those who bring people who love people and are there for them. And they had made this temple into a place that exploited the poor, dismissed the Gentiles, and made it into a consumeristic profit engineering thing of business. And Jesus says, no. No. No, no, that, that belongs to my Father. You will not desecrate the temple. The Pharisees come to him and they're like, Dude, what, by what authority, what sign do you give us that you can do this? And all Jesus says is, you destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Man, this is one of the most powerful statements Jesus makes. He's openly admitting. They don't get it. John's gospel is all full of misunderstanding. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, I'm the holy of holies. I'm the presence of God with his people. I'm what it's all about. And I tell you what, yeah, okay, 46 years it took you to build this thing up. Fine. Guess what? This quick, it's gone. Some of you will work a business your whole life thinking that's how you're going to build your identity, how you're going to build it up. And in a heartbeat, you're going to realize, I was wrong. Some of you are going to do a lot of things for a long time in your life to wake up and go, oh my gosh, that is not what the purpose. Jesus is saying it's not about the building. Because they were in love with this building. A 35-acre complex would have easily been one of the seven wonders of this world. It was beautiful and expansive. And Herod poured so much money off the backs of the people into this beautiful building. And these people were in love with the power and the prestige. and, and, And just and just what this represented and they lost the heart of what it is and through a cord of whips Jesus had to remind them now if Jesus gets this fired up one it's worth paying attention to secondly it's worth asking the question why Why is Jesus this fired up over the temple? Because Jesus is all about the love of God dwelling with his people. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. Whoever believes in him will not die but have eternal life. That God's all about coming to his people and he has a zeal for his dwelling place. Now, in light of that knowledge, what do we do with this verse? Would you read it with me? Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and... And... Now I want you to substitute the last word you for me or for I am. And I am... That temple. What? Do you think of yourself that way? See, Jesus was right. Because when they tore down the temple of his body and he raised it up three days, he made a whole new thing happen. The curtain tore in two. And the presence of God left the building. And then God did something phenomenal, and he made a way that you could be inhabited by the very thing that inhabited him, by the Holy Spirit. And through his grace and forgiveness, he says, all who come to me, I will forgive them of their sin. I will clean them out from the inside out, and then I will place my spirit within them, making them a holy dwelling. Do you realize God cannot inhabit unholy things? So to claim that the Holy Spirit lives in me is to say I'm a holy thing. That I no longer, I mean in some ways it's like God saying you belong to me now. You are mine. I cleansed you. I forgave you. I gave you my spirit. I love you. And I'm gonna take up residence inside of you. But I will not allow my temple to be desecrated. You want a bold prayer of your life? You talk to Jesus and just say, hey, Jesus, in the same way that you made a whip out of cords and went and cleansed the temple, here's the bold prayer. You ready? Do that in me. Drive the consumerism out of my soul. God, crush my pride. Flip over the tables of my jealousy. Unleash all of this, of this angst and all of this evil and all these things that just want to take up shop and wherever this temple is. I don't want it to be made like the world. I don't want to just be in love with power and prestige and money or the things of this world. I belong to you. Jesus, come into my life in a bold way. And this goes for every single one of you. It doesn't matter your age, you're a temple. Some of you look in the mirror and you just see negativity. You see things that you don't like. It's not not who you are. We honor. We respect the temple. We don't pollute it. We don't give it away. We honor it. We keep it healthy. We keep it safe. And each one of you is a is a temple of the Holy Spirit. It's God's dwelling place on earth. It's not a building anymore. It's the church, the people. It's not 8301 Aurora Avenue, Gloria day. God doesn't live here. It's a building. This building could blow away. And guess what? The church is still here because the people are here. The people are what make it holy. The people are what make it sacred. Because, and it's not because you're that special, it's because God lives in you. And you might not take yourself that seriously, but I'll tell you what, Jesus takes you very seriously. I remember the pathway of my life that even led to me being, I did not want to be a pastor. I grew up in a, my dad was a church worker, and this is the last thing I wanted. Oh, I was totally that pastor's kid that just rebelled rebelled my first girlfriend I found in youth group so I was like I'll go yeah I was I was not a good kid but but systematically in my life as I look back on it through hindsight 2020 I can see all the ways that Jesus was taking me seriously even when I was pursuing all kinds of different things God's going I'm going to work through this for your good And there are times in my life I look back and I can almost see the crack of the whip when he goes, knock it off. That's not who you are. Grow up. Harness your tongue. Ebb your passion. So that he could bring it into focus on him. Bold love will push you out of your comfort zone. And it will reveal in you things that you never thought you were capable of. But it's amazing. And I'm going to give you four ways that bold love absolutely will knock this world on its rear. All right? The first one, bold love, will lead to bold transparency. Bold transparency. Most people spend a lot of energy and a lot of their time trying to conceal their weaknesses trying to get people to see them in a certain light and definitely not talking about it. Okay, so we're going to play a little game. I want you to lean over it. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. But we want to conceal, we want to hide, we want to display. And so we, we want to do anything that leads to guilt or shame or I don't know. And we just, oh, just, and we fight it off. We fight, off. but man, what do we do when Paul says three different times I pleaded with God to him remove, to remove this pain from me? And God said, No, my grace is sufficient, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. And Paul says, Well, if that's the case, I'm going to rejoice in my weakness, I'm going to rejoice in my failings. Why? Because he realized it's not about me. It's not about my strength, my wisdom, my perfection. All of those things are just caveats where I get to talk about him. Lack of transparency reveals a lack of faith in grace. You're still trying to pretend. You're still trying to hide. Jesus says, bring it all here. Open up. Let's talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Let's talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Some of you got trauma from childhood you haven't gone through. Some of you have just massive unforgiveness that has just taken hold. You got anger issues. Some of you have authority issues, which is why you're not listening right now. Pride. Maybe you got burnt by a church and it's just hard to trust. Maybe you got grief. I don't know. But it's the bold grace of Jesus. The bold love of God leads to a boldness. Now, I'm not saying you got to go Spill your life story to everybody at Walmart or something. I'm not saying that. But some people are so fearful. And I'll be honest, I think your most powerful testimony is right through the vein of your weakness. And and, and nobody in the world likes to talk about weakness. Nobody wants to talk about that. They want to just know, I got it together. I figured it out. So for you to boldly be able to admit I don't know, here's where I messed up, here's addictions I struggle with, here's how I hurt my kid, da-da-da-da-da-da, whatever, and here's what Jesus said to this, how he forgave me, how he restored me. There's something powerful in that, because then it gives other people permission to realize we're not a whole bunch of perfect little people that have it all figured out. We're a bunch of broken, busted sinners. We just know where to go with it. And we want others to come with us. Bold transparency and vulnerability, but also bold truth. We are those, and I'm not talking bold truth like the world needs to hear what you think. Like enough of that. Like if your statement starts with, well, you know what I think? Don't care. Don't care. Oh, that's mean. No, it's not. You're just not God. The the world doesn't need to hear what you think about them. The world needs to hear what God thinks about them. The world needs the truth of the word of God, the love of God, and, and his design. They need this. So on the one hand, some of you, You need to back off what you think and get more into what he thinks. And some of you, though, know know what he thinks, and you got to get loosened up to talk about it. Some of you grew up in that be seen, not heard, silent type. But I'm telling you right now, man, there's some husbands in this room right now. Man, you need some bold transparency and some bold truth in your family. The strong silent type's not biblical. I don't know where you got that. John Wayne? I don't know. It's not Jesus. Jesus cried. Jesus laughed. Jesus taught. Jesus came and hugged people. Jesus was boisterous. This whole like, I will protect my family. It's not being a dude. It's not a man. All right? Jesus is a man. Be like him. Leave Liam Neeson to himself. Right? But there's a bold truth. There's a lot of weird lies going on in our society right now. Weird arguments. A lot of things going on. And in love and in respect, talk about it. My daughter goes to public school. You don't think if wonky things start happening, I'm not sitting in that principal's office? In love and in respect? But I'm definitely not doing this. Well, I don't know. I just don't know anymore. Get out of here. We're the church. Empowered by the spirit of the living God. What does the world have on you? And if we don't speak up, who will? gotta be bold. Lovingly bold on the truth. On the truth. We need to be boldly generous, because we know you can't serve God and money, and we love God, and we need to be boldly generous with our time, our energy, our money, into, into real world things, lavishly pouring it out on people, finding the angles. For my wife and I, you know, we do foster care, and we love it, and it's, you know, part of the reason I love foster care, I mean, I love the kids, don't get me wrong, that this is going to sound so selfish. I don't mean it this way. But I'm sort of addicted to the sanctification that God does in my own heart because of this. Because it makes me boldly generous with my home. And I'm, I'm one that, <laughs> don't make a mess. Anyone else? I mean, we don't live in radical hospitality times. People knock on your door now and it's like, how do they know we live here? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Boldly generous, open. We hold loose to the things of this world to hold tightly to the truth that we are citizens of the kingdom of God. And that will lead to a bold sacrifice. Now, you'll never get bolder than the cross. The cross is the boldest love ever spoken. The most surprising, the most, I didn't see that coming, a God who would suffer, a God who would bleed, a God who would die, a God who would do that for you is just unbelievable, mind-blowing. A God who would tear down the temple of his body to bring it back up and then say, here's the deal, I'm gonna make you the holy of holies. That is mind blowing. But then Jesus comes along to his disciples and says, Now I want you to pick up your cross, follow me. The way that I've sacrificed for you, I want you to sacrifice for others. People are going to know you belong to me by the way you love one another. And I want you to be bold with the feet you wash, I want you to break rules. Zigzag social lines. Kids, if you're listening to me, I know you know the unwritten rules of your school. Who to talk to, who to be friends with, who to love. I'm telling you right now, I want you to break every rule in the name of Jesus Christ. My permission. You go love that kid that no one else wants to love. You go stand up for that group that no one stands up for. And you tell people, back off. And you use the power of the spirit within you for good. Parents, you want your kids to do that? Then model it. Model it. Show them how to do it. You be that in your workplace. You be that in your community. You show them. Talk about it. Share with them stories about what you're doing. As a family, round up around bold love. Be like, we're going to do this together. That's being a follower of Jesus. It changes neighborhoods, communities, families, schools, workplaces, everything around the bold, loving, transparent, truthful, generous, sacrificial love of God. It's a fun way to live. Don't let me for, let's just end on, let's read this together. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Never forget it. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and in you. Let's be bold with love. Amen? Amen. Amen.
0: Our song today, Kingdom of Peace, is written and sung by Nathan Turnier, and I asked him to share with us some thoughts about that song.
2: So when, you know, things of this world, again, try to distract you and um, you seem like everything's going wrong. When uh, longing comes to haunt me in my sleeping bed at night, sometimes feeling restless, like you don't know what's going on, not sure what to do. There's a king who sits upon the throne and knows that there's a place where my heart can be placed in love and try to do the same. When sinful thoughts and treasures try to tell me there's a place, I know there's tons of space on my knees in a kingdom of peace. It's kind of like if we follow all these things, this is uh, God's promise
1: that there will be peace, you know, uh, spread through us, through His light.
2: Of my flesh, want me to run away from you. But I know that you're God who chases me. Sinful thoughts and treasures try to tell me there's a place. try and tell me it's not right. me sinful thoughts and treasures try to tell me